Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to this episode of Good Orderly Direction, Practical Tools of the Bible. Today we are discussing Genesis 26, Isaac and Rebecca in Gerar. When famine gripped the land, Isaac set out toward Gerar and toward King Abimelech of the Philistines. God appeared to him and said, don't go down to Egypt, but settle temporarily in Gerar. Isaac obeyed, but when the men who lived there asked about his wife, he said, she's my sister, because he was afraid to say, my wife, thinking the men who lived there would kill him for Rebekah. This harkens back to what his uh, father did, not once, but twice. One day, the Philistines king Abimelech saw Isaac laughing with his wife, Rebekah. Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, she's your wife, isn't she? How could you say she's my sister? Isaac responded, I thought that I might be killed because of her. Abimelech said, what are you trying to do to us? Before long, one of the people would have slept with your wife and you would have made us guilty. Abimelech gave orders to all of the people. Anyone who touches this man or his wife will be put to death. What can we learn from this story? Well, if God engages us and we are where he wants us to be, nothing but our own unbelief and distrust can prevent our comfort. If we're led by emotions, what we want instead of, or what we're afraid of, instead of what the facts are, we can be led astray. So think about times when you have gotten in your own way and not been prudent. You operated off of emotion-based reasoning instead of fact-based reasoning. Additionally, even though Abimelech was not one of the chosen ones, his pious behavior earns him mercy from God. Somehow, some way, he had not yet touched uh, Isaac's wife, and so he was still not guilty. Abimelech is given the opportunity to avoid potential sin because he is mindful. Somewhere in his head, heart, or gut, you know, we talk about head, heart, and gut honesty. He said, you know, something's hinky here. You know, obviously, Rebecca was a beautiful woman, and he wanted to take her for his wife, but for some reason, something stopped him. Back to the scripture. Isaac planted grain in the land, which made him wealthy that year because the Lord had blessed them. Isaac grew richer and richer until he was extremely wealthy. Abimelech said to Isaac finally, move away from us because you've become too powerful among us. So Isaac moved away from there and camped in the valley of Gerar and lived there. Isaac dug out again the wells that were dug during the lifetime of his father Abraham, but they still needed more water. Isaac's servants dug wells in the valley and found a well there with fresh water. Isaac's shepherds argued with Gerar's shepherds, each claiming, this is our water. Isaac left there and dug another well, but they didn't argue about it. Isaac said, now the Lord has made an open space for us and has made us fertile in the land. Again, we see some reflections here. Even though Isaac is said to be too powerful, he assumes a meek stance and is somewhat selfless. He may have realized that his cattle and servants are a huge drain on the city of Gerar and he's to Abimelech's request to leave. After all, Abimelech could have killed him or could have done something else when he found out about Isaac's lie, but instead he said, okay, 
you made a mistake, you did wrong, nobody will hurt you, but you know, you're not in my good graces anymore. <clears throat> this is paralleled, this uh, separation is paralleled back in Genesis 13 when Abraham and Lot part ways. Their shepherds had started fighting among each other because there were not enough resources. Both of them had grown so powerful. And instead of taking the arrogant stance that Abraham could have and said, well, you know, I am the most powerful, so I'll choose and you can have the rest. Abraham deferred to Lot and said, what do you want? Isaac recognized that there were abundant resources. The people of Gerar had been there first and he and his clan had the ability to more easily move their encampment. They weren't entrenched as much as the people of Gerar who had built houses and communities and everything. Isaac cleaned out the wells that his father had dug. Go back to that passage. Think about whether the wells might be a metaphor for the wisdom that quenches our thirst. Isaac recognized that his father's wells were worth clearing out. This could represent that old knowledge is worth preserving. It may not be 100% applicable or 100% able to solve the current problems, but it's worth preserving. He recognized that old wells were not enough for the new time, so fresh ones were added. And this may, again, be a metaphor for the fact that our thinking needs to evolve. The old way of thinking is a great foundation, but it needs to change with the times. We need to add to it in order to most effectively live as we develop as a people. It can be said that Isaac used prudence and was conservatively progressive. In business, we talk about rapid cycle change. And in rapid cycle change, you make a small change and look for the effects. And then you make another small change relatively quickly. Instead of overhauling something and making a huge change and having to wait forever to see what the uh, results are, rapid cycle change is a much more... Um, step-by-step -step process. I hate to say rapid process, but it really is. They used prudence in their actions and they recognized that, okay, what's the next thing that we can do in order to have peace in the land? Cleared out these wells that were in the valley and the shepherds still were arguing. So what can we do? We can move. We can dig another well and we will keep making small changes until we arrive at a place where there can be peace in the land and we can be fertile and multiply. Abimelech, his commander and one of the allies, set out from Gerar toward Isaac. Isaac said to him, why have you come after me? You resented me and sent me away from you. They said, we now see that God was with you. And this can be interpreted as God from heaven, as it's intended, or good orderly direction that Isaac was being uh, loving and prudent and wise in his behaviors and that his intentions were for self-preservation, not to hurt uh, Abimelech and the people of Gerar. 
We propose that there be a formal agreement between us and that we draw up a treaty with you. You must not treat us badly since we've treated you well and we will send you away peacefully for you are now blessed by God. So you be nice to us, we'll be nice to you. We don't have to love each other, but we will be uh, peaceable. In this story, we see a lot of emphasis on prudence, which is remember patience plus wisdom. Isaac won the respect of his opponents by his prudence. They were touched by his compassion toward the shepherds and they saw plainly that God was with him and pursued him to form an alliance. He meant no harm to them. They meant no harm to him at this point. They're like, oh, wow, look what he did for the shepherds. Maybe he really isn't out to hurt us and we could mend some fences here. So we're at the very least not enemies. Forgiveness is another principle that we see here because Isaac didn't hold a grudge for the way the Philistines treated him being sent away and then pursued, you know, and when he was quote pursued, we also have to remember that there was some emotional reasoning there. He assumed initially that Abimelech and his men were pursuing him for nefarious means, but ultimately the facts bore out that Abimelech was pursuing him because he realized, Hey, you're actually a pretty good guy. Um, in any event, uh, Isaac did not hold a grudge, did not hold suspicions against Abimelech and his men and agreed to the treaty. And finally, it's better to turn enemies into friends than to hold a grudge or seek revenge and have them as enemies still. How can it help you to create abundance, to enhance your resources, to reduce your stress and if you use your energy to build bridges instead of defend against oncomers? How can you remain safe in the face of someone who has wronged you in the past? Now, Isaac had wronged Abimelech and uh, Abimelech had the right to potentially be suspicious of him. Um, and Isaac hadn't been wrong, well, he had been sent away, but um, hadn't been overly wronged by Abimelech, but he thought that that might happen. And instead of becoming defensive and assuming the worst of each other, they used facts in context. They looked at, okay, what is this person actually doing? We can experience distress. Somebody can wrong us. Somebody can make a mistake. We have to be willing to look at that in context and say, okay, I'm going to learn from this. I'm not going to let that happen again. I'm not going to hold on to anger for it. I am just going to adjust how I deal with you.